You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast with host Fifi Peters. This budget review is brought to you by Investec Focus Radio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so the budget has come and it has in part gone, but reactions uh, to that budget continue. And we've got one more reaction right now from Investec, which gave the uh, finance minister a 7 out of 10 for the budget that uh, he delivered yesterday, aligning actually with quite a number of commentators who do believe that it was a good budget. Uh, Investec Chief Economist Annabelle Bishop joins us for more. Annabelle, thanks so much for your time. Very generous. In fact, I've never seen you as generous on a budget in the uh, recent past as you have been on this particular one. What what was it about this one that uh, that caused you to rank it so highly? Well, Fifi, I'm even more generous than you suspect. I actually gave it a seven and a half out of ten. Oh, <laughs> my bad. I must have missed that half point. Okay, do do, do tell us more. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think it was a much better than expected budget, firstly, you know, compared to what markets anticipated, compared to what many commentators were concerned about. You know, we, we saw him tick the boxes, but let's be aware that it took place against a very difficult economic backdrop. And I think, you know, that's really the key point. The budget has risks. The fiscal and projections specifically have risks. The actual and positive points were both that we had a primary surplus, and that means that we are collecting more revenue than we are spending if you remove our expenditure on interest payments of debt. That primary surplus also runs over the next three years as well in the projections, and that means that we are making good headwinds into fiscal consolidation. Secondly, our normal fiscal deficit, just your revenue, less your expenditure, that um, remains at a 3.2% projection at the end of three years. So it means that from that perspective, we achieve some fiscal consolidation still, um, you know, if if we achieve our projections. And of course, lastly, the consolidated debt rose as a consequence, as we all know, of the debt relief to Eskom that's anticipated. But of course, as well, the key point here that is mentioned in the budget is that it actually falls at a faster pace than the previous growth loan debt trajectory did to GDP. So those three areas really are, um, you know, showing a good, strong budget from a government finance health point of view. Of course, that's what we're rating here. The last point is that while we obviously see the debt rise, and of course now peaking in 25, 26 at 73.6%, as opposed to in October, when it was going to peak um, this current fiscal year, 22-23, at 71.1%, the important point here is that the credit rating agencies see this as credit neutral. So the fact that the debt goes up won't affect our credit ratings because they already rate South Africa's debt as if all the state guarantees over state-owned enterprises' debt was actually included in, in government debt. So in other words, all the contingent liabilities, all the SA's debt is guaranteed by government. If it all comes onto government's balance sheet today, it still doesn't have a credit impact from the rating agencies because they've always assessed it as being something that government is liable for. Okay, you are right. I mean, uh, this afternoon I saw the latest uh, statement dropping from Fitch uh, ratings, which did say exactly as you've said, that uh, the uh, government's plan for uh, ESCOM is broadly in line with its own assumptions that were already factored in its previous sovereign review. But Annabelle, I want to talk to you about the developments that followed the uh, ESCOM debt relief announcement and particularly the... um, 
fact that the CEO there is now no longer, the fact that now we are still waiting for who who will uh, fill his shoes and there's no acting. But I suppose more importantly, some of the uh, allegations that he said regarding the uh, looting at ESCOM, perhaps not new to most people's ears, but uh, also the allegations regarding the fact that the Just Energy transition, this $8.5 billion that we've been getting from uh, global partners for this Just Energy transition may not happen at the pace that it's supposed to happen because the uh, current um, corner of individuals who don't want it to happen because it disturbs their lunch will prevent it from doing so. Doesn't it Doesn't it kind of take off track what National Treasury is trying to uh, do in terms of fixing ESCOM's problems for good? Well, I think, you know, your first question about the departure of Andre Gerater, clearly that does leave a leadership vacuum. He has actually been very experienced, very knowledgeable, and would have been very good to remain in the position as leader of ESCOM. And the confusion, I think, around this is that the problems that ESCOM faces have been something that's been building over a 10 or more 20-year period, really. In other words, the power stations, the coal-fired fleet, which constitutes 80% of South Africa's electricity production, they're extremely old and they are producing less and less. They also are not serviced regularly as well and not repaired. If you think about the power stations, it's very similar to a motor engine in a motor vehicle. Different types of engines, but similar. If you don't service your car, if you don't replace the parts, do oil changes, it's going to break down. If you drive a 20 or 30-year-old car <laughs> and you're not servicing or looking after it, you're going to have them littered on the side of the road. And this is pretty much what's been happening with South Africa's power stations. In fact, you know, previous um, incumbents in Andre's position, previous leaders of ESCOM, weren't servicing the cars. They weren't repaired and doing the oil changes, and that's why they're breaking down now. So even if you suddenly start trying to repair your old car you know, towards the end of its lifespan, but you haven't been looking after the duration, it's going to be very rickety. So these are the problems we face in the power stations, not something that's anything to do with Andre Director, but a nice political story to spin. I think you know, your, your key question really here is what does all this mean for South Africa's economy, mm-hmm. for national treasury, mm-hmm. and of course as well, you know, how does this link up to the budget? What's very clear is the debt relief in the budget for ESCOM is tied to a number of requirements, one of which is that ESCOM can't borrow for the three years over which the debt relief takes place, can't go back into the market. Secondly, that it needs to spend money on building the distribution, and that's very, very key because some of the reasons why, and there are other more <laughs> serious reasons, but some of the reasons why some of the renewable energy projects couldn't go ahead in the Cape was because of lack of distribution. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as well, you know, lastly, the um, requirement also for ESCOM to have the private sector supply electricity. So these are all considerations. You know, the money is not a gift. <laughs> it's not coming to bail out the SRE. What I think is, is quite key is to look at this against the backdrop of the way governments are looking to handle state-owned entities going forward forwards. Both assessing their value and whether they should persist. Are they key to the economy or not? And of course, some are not being critical, um, along with Transnet, but others are less or not critical at all. And secondly, that they must become self-sufficient, generate their own money and not require bailouts and money from the state. And of course, you see this with the unwinding of the state guarantees. You know, obviously, ESCOM was a big one, and you saw that coming through in the budget with all the specific details. But also the smaller ones, SAA, and our government wants to get them get away from government guarantees. Uh, the contingent liabilities on the balance sheet. It wants SAA to become self-supporting, and in fact, actually wants far greater private sector participation in the, in, in the electricity sector and reduced role for ESCOM. 
partly because of its heavy coal dependence, and of course that also runs against the climate change um, objectives. I think your last question was on climate change, yeah. and really, of course, you know, the great concern is a just energy transition. I think that while some, maybe you, you use the word corner more factions, <laughs> are seeking to, um, you know, really focus on coal, uh, dirty energy, uh, bad for climate change, <clears throat> there are other, of course, strong and drivers towards increased renewable energy and you said clean energy green energy and of course you know the the really important point here for south africa is that you know we, we get the international funding the international support and we also see it coming through from the presidency area as well looking to be supportive of the green energy i think things became confused they became murky after fala fala when president ramaphosa was <clears throat> perhaps unfairly, uh, tried to pre- prove guilty over certain allegations and, of course, was supported by the Energy and uh, Mining Minister, Greta Mantasha, who we know is a strong coal supporter. So I think there's that murkiness, there's that politics at play where, you know, we become uncertain exactly how this is going to pan out. But the solution for South Africa is to follow the RLP 219. It should have happened in 2019 when sure. there had been a strong build in renewable energy and that would have actually mitigated a lot of the deficit we have now in electricity generation. We Set at six and a half thousand megawatts in on the 22nd of January, causing load shedding as a shortfall. That's gone up very substantially, you know, north of 10,000 megawatts. And of course, you know, the big problem we have here is there's no immediate solution. The car power ships were stopped from coming into South Africa by the um, <clears throat> Minister of the Environment, uh, Farm, uh, Fishing and Forestry, because of incomplete documentation. And again, now heavily delayed until March. So there's no real quick fixes on the horizon. Sure. And, you know, obviously we are in a true energy crisis. Yeah, indeed. Annabelle, just uh, really briefly, I mean, I know we've spent a lot of time on ESCOM and energy right now. In fact, I did a control F search and I saw that uh, ESCOM mentioned 18 times in the budget speech. So the minister even spent a lot of time on ESCOM. But briefly, uh, seven and a half out of 10, uh, that two and a half, uh, where, where, where did it miss? How did uh, ESCOM miss? Uh, how did, listen to me, how did, <laughs> how did the budget miss the two and a half points? So the two and a half is almost a contingency reserve, if you will. It's saying, you know, if things go wrong, this is this is a real problem we have. In other words, the growth forecast of national treasury is zero point nine percent. Mines is zero point seven, the reserve banks is zero point three. If we move to stage seven load shedding, and in fact actually let's say an average of stage six for this year, the economy is quite likely to go into a recession. And the problem is that, you know, when we did the calculations on the twenty second of Jan, when they announced the um you know the six and a half thousand uh, megawatt deficit and we looked at an average of stage four load shedding for the year, we came out with a GDP growth estimate of between zero point four and zero point six for the year. Mm-hmm. The extra point one to zero point seven is because of the improved global economic outlook. Now, if we move to an average of stage six, that takes us down to 0%. A couple of other things go wrong. We go into a recession. That means that you miss your revenue. You have revenue undershoot. You collect less. Your fiscal ratios blow up. You can't service your debt as well, including extra debt coming from ESCOM. And, of course, as well, you um, see your GDP fall, which pushes your ratios up further, brings you into credit rating downgrade territory, and gives you, you know, a strong downward um, momentum. So this is a real risk for us on the electricity front. We really sure. are finding ourselves in a position where if we have a couple more missteps, but if it could face a recession this year, you know, if we have a stage six or worse 
average load shedding for this year, you know, it, it, it's going to be a very, very different outlook to what is in the government finance figures at the moment. Sure. Annabelle, uh, thanks so much for that uh, detailed uh, analysis. As always, Annabelle Bishop, uh, Chief Economist at Investec. This budget review is brought to you by Investec Focus Radio. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We all have reasons to save for someone we love, something we want, an experience, having choice on a rainy day, or a little extra to make the mundane magical. You have reasons enough, I'm sure, but here's more. An Investec 12-month fixed deposit from 9% annual effective. No private bank account needed. Save from 100,000 rand. Capital guaranteed. Whatever your reason, you can save with Investec. Learn more at investec.com save. An authorized FSP. Terms and conditions apply. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM market update podcast. Uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.